You are listening to episode 30 of the Bastards of Kingsgrave. Welcome back, everybody. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by our Cora Council today. This is Katie, Lady Griffin on the forums. This is Michal, in Gazarine on the forums. And this is Stephanie, GSDG on the forums. Great. It's great to be back here, and uh, Katie will be kind of organizing today. So take us away, Katie. What are we covering? We're talking about the Avatar release comic, The Rift, Part 1, which brings Toph back into the group. Hmm. ousted Zuko, but mostly about uh, stuff that we've already covered a little bit. Mystery with Yang Chen. Good stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have anything written down for an intro. Okay, that's good. All right, I would give it 3.5 out of 5 lemon cakes. I thought it was a pretty solid first piece to this comic, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. I will give it 4 out of 5. I actually really, really liked this comic, and it kind of made me realize how much I'm enjoying this, these comics as they come out, mm. and how much I miss being in the Avatar world, especially Toph, who yes. is not... Yeah, she's not really, like, my favorite character, or at least I'd kind of forgotten about liking her as much as I do, but bringing her back and just having her butt heads with Aang, I'm like, man, I really, really miss Toph. And I feel like this is kind of the arc that she was meant to have in the third season of the show and there just wasn't any time for it and so it feels like this is the resolution to her character that she probably deserved and it gives us some world building between avatar and core which i always really like we can see some beginnings of the metal bending school and the metal bending armor coming in um the plot itself like the whole mystery of yang chin is kind of intriguing i feel like though we've covered some of this ground before with Aang being really upset about ancient airbending traditions being defiled. But it's good that they have it set with, like, the conflict is within the group itself and not with an outside third party. It's him and Toph getting angry with each other. Hmm. And other than that, um, I thought it ended in a really good place. It made me really intrigued for the next issue. And, yeah, I... I can't... I still like this... I like where this is going more than anything in The Promise, but maybe not as much as The Search, but it's... It's kind of refreshing not to have Zuko in the group. I, <laughs> I feel not like, not because I don't like Zuko and Azula, but I forgot like just how emotionally exhausting those two characters can be. And with Toph back, this is it's a little more laid back. And so yeah, I really like this well, comic. If Zuko was there, he'd get in the way of Toph's romance, right? So you got to be out of the picture. <laughs> exactly, because I mean we all know that Zuko is Lin's father. I mean that ability to jump between airships must be genetic, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I missed you guys. Oh. <laughs> so, Michal, what is your lemon cake rating? Um, I think I would give this like a 3.75 or a 4. I liked it. It felt to me like an episode of the show. I think maybe more than any of the other comics have so far. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I definitely like seeing Toph. I definitely like seeing emotions from Toph and backstory. That's definitely been a long time coming. And yeah, I mean, I find Aang a little grating in the comics, I'm not gonna lie. But, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. And yeah, it does bring up some interesting things. Every time I think it's gonna be like, oh, really kind of simplistic, it always goes a little deeper than I expected. So that's always nice. I'm interested to see where it goes. I definitely am not as intrigued as I was with The Promise, but I don't think you're meant to be. So yeah. the second part, definitely. Stephanie? I'd give it about a three. It was pretty good. Um, I certainly liked it a lot better than the search. What else? Um, yeah, I, I'm seconding having. It's nice to have Toph back and to not have to deal with the Fire Nation royal family's familial issues. 
Oh, we'll get Earth Nation family issues this time. Yeah, I mean, like, but at the same time, it's like, it's just, yeah, it's just exhausting with to deal with, like, the angst from, like, Zuko, and then, mm. like... The Targaryen problems. The, the Targaryen problems. <laughs> like, it's too weighty. There's too much nationalism tied in. <laughs> National mm-hmm. history. It's kind of interesting with this comic, like, I really like the conflict they set up with just the fact that Toph is not the kind of character who's going to be able to explain why this is bothering her as much as it does. But it's a completely legit thing of she she opts out of taking part in Aang's religious ceremony. And at first it's cool, but then she gets really belligerent because she feels left out and graded by everyone doing something without her. And from there, like... They don't really butt heads until the end, but it just gets nastier and nastier. And I was like, man, I can't. I can almost see these two not being friends later in life, like just kind of drifting apart from each other. I think it was Jin Yang's Twitter or somewhere he said that Toph is one of his favorite character, if not his favorite character right now. Yeah, oh. He's showing that by going into like her background deeply here. Yeah, yeah, I think he's writing her well to start. I thought like in the earlier comics there was something of a carry over from the last season of the show which is that Toph is like great and all but sort of a punchline um, and now that she's kind of more front, front and center I can kind of there were a couple times where I really heard the voice and that was that was great because I really miss that hmm. I feel like she's it's almost like frozen syndrome where <laughs> her parents uh, like emotionally mm. abused her and locked her away. And she's like, I'm so lonely in here. I can't go outside and play with these kids. And he's like, nope, nope. This is just how it has to be. Her Nick Cage-faced father. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It is really sad. Um, and I think like she's completely with her. She's really savvy in this comic issue. I mean, like taking the crush stuff out the way that she negotiates to get her her school expanded and her interest in the engines and the machinery. She's very, I don't know, she's business oriented in a way that I think is appropriate and completely disinterested in whatever the hell Aang's problems are with, you know, sacred Indian burial grounds. And as for her crush, Lynn's dad, probably not. <laughs> I feel like if they keep in like going with the comics, that each series is just, they're going to introduce like a new male figure, and everyone's going to think it's Lynn's dad, and then eventually it's like, no, it was she just took a sperm donation or something. She just needs a couple of boy toys in the middle, right? On the yeah. Way, so. But uh, how old is she? Because she seems she's still twelve. 12 when okay. She first appeared, so oh, she. Good. It must be. I mean, maybe she's a little younger than Aang. Maybe she's a little older. So, like, she's like thirteen, right? Okay, that's more believable then. But, I mean, it's still it's it's, it's kind of I guess the young teenage girl with the older teenage guy crush. Like, is how old yeah. is that guy? Like seventeen, maybe, or is he older? Yeah. 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 I um I actually thought that all of them, everybody looked sort of notably older. Hmm. Yeah. And smart and stuff, which was like. I wasn't expecting that because I never really saw these comics. Like, obviously, like, the plot was progressing, but I kind of, I guess, didn't realize that their per- their personal lives would progress also. Um, so that's a really nice touch. Um, but I don't know. I didn't see Toph getting carried away with her crush. Like, I kind of thought, like, she was definitely interested and definitely, like, happy that this guy was around and paying attention to her. But I didn't get the sense that she was, like, head over heels for him or anything. That was more from the other people like they were like ah oh, top has a crush 
Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it didn't even hit me that she had a crush until they brought it up. I thought she was just, you know, they were having a business conversation. So he has that one Freudian slip, right? Yeah. <laughs> she feels his engine. She likes to feel the engine. <laughs> oh, my God. She knows just the right spot to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got problems. He's like, no one's going to look at my engine but you. That was, I think that's kind of cute, I guess. But yeah, they ever, all, all the characters look older, except maybe Sokka. Katara definitely looks older. Aang just looks weird, because he's still got like that baby doll bald head, and he just looks like a giant freakish version of his younger self. <laughs> it's his ungainly teenage years. Like he still has his baby face, but then he clearly has, he's clearly like maturing. Tall. Yeah, tall. And there's one or two like panels of uh, where his head is like out of the frame, and it's just his shoulders, and it's like, hey, my goodness. <laughs> I forget. Is he, older, is he taller than Katara already, or I think they're about the same height. He's older than uh, Toph now by a good foot. Wow, older than Toph by a foot. Oh well, yeah, okay, taller than Toph. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I almost, you know, I hope that. Because it didn't occur to me until this uh, until this series, like how much Katara has been relegated the the supportive girlfriend role. Mm-hmm. Like I was really hopeful when she ran into her friend, um, and there's that really weird moment where the sister, the friend's sister, looks at her and seems really uncomfortable with the fact that Katara has showed up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, she gets her own plot. Like this is actually interesting. Like her old tribe mates have shown up and are working at this refinery that's kind of cool what's going on but uh i don't know it'll probably be a side plot later but i was like i kind of miss katara having something to do other than calling ang sweetie and being his soundboard for whatever is going through his head mm-hmm. that's probably like a sub rift that matches the theme katara mm-hmm. and that ymir imposter like she reminded me from ymir of attack and titan yeah <laughs> Oh my god, I have a student who is obsessed with Attack on Titan. Hmm. I just have to say that. it's So every time I hear Attack on Titan, I go, ooh, no. Have you no. seen it, Michal? I haven't seen it, but he he does every He writes all about it, and oh. it's like... Oh my so, god. Is there somebody named Aaron? Yeah. He's that blonde kid, right? No, he's like that kid who looks like he's gonna murder everything all the time. He just, like... <laughs> makes sense that this would be that kid's particular favorite character. He just has this, like, angry expression frozen on his face the entire time. When season two comes out, you should all see it, and we can do an episode on that. I've been meaning to see it. I haven't been out of anime for a long time, but it is hot right now. Hmm. Hot on Tumblr. Not as much as it was, like, last summer, though. Yeah. I don't think. Anyway. So why do you think there's that... So I go, we have no, no evi- like we have no evidence or anything of why there's a rift between that that girl from this water nation. Well, I guess we'll find that out in part two. No, it was really weird. Like one of the sisters was really glad to see her, and the other was like, "Mm-mm, get away from her." Maybe they're like smuggling drugs through the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a front, basically. Mm-hmm. It's really Katie. That's a theme with us lately. What smuggling drugs? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's got to be drugs in that world. They have an opium equivalent. Try. I'm sorry, I mean, like, what were, what's the trend with us? I missed something. No, we were talking because I told I told Katie what I thought was a really sweet story, and then she was like, "Drugs." It was all about <laughs> drugs. I was like, "You're ruining the story." Well, it's a ref- like I, I find it interesting that what the refinery is refining is crystals, mm. like. 
what are they using these for? I guess for lamps and stuff. There's that close-up on a crystal lamp early in the comic, but I guess it's a way to skirt around, like, I don't know, iron? Did they not have real minerals in this world? Well, they have to, because tough metal bends. Yeah, it's a little odd. It's a little odd that we see Sokka drive a forklift in this comic. (laughs) That was maybe the weirdest thing for me. That felt like a technological leap by several decades. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it should be a Sato uh, forklift, right? And... Well, I don't think Sato's empire is being established yet. Right, exactly. But he, so if he didn't, I got the sense that he kind of he was like inventing. Oh, big on the car the stuff. Car. Yeah. Yeah. So they, have, it, they had. Yeah. Let's see. I'm sure. Look at that. And the the fence, like this is totally random, but the fence that they crossed over, I was like, that's no, that's way too modern. Like have like a crappy little wooden thing, not like a modern crisscross metal fence. A chain link fence, yeah. Yeah, with barbed wire on top. <laughs> well, we got state of the art stuff for the Keystone Pipeline here. They gotta. Well, I mean, they can, <laughs> this world has the technology to build a gigantic freaking drill, so <laughs> I guess. I mean, and, they always had the technology, just they just never really mass produced it beyond like the war right. aspect of it. Now they're switching to over to commercial mm-hmm. you know, versions of it. I just, they talk about how, like, they've gone through this huge leap where the first part of the factory has all the benders uh, working together to refine the crystals. And then he's like, let me show you the new part of the plant. And they go into the assembly line where he talks about, you know, we don't have to train benders anymore. We're replacing our workers with machines. And I just had all these industrial, like, ideas and flashbacks of, are we going to see, like, what like that waterbender girl get her arm ripped off in the assembly line Oof. and we're gonna have to talk about worker safety yeah, it's, it's the jungle well they have one guy that almost gets crushed but was was that related to the earthquake or was that separate from that like, that was the earthquake that caused that yes. happening okay there was an earthquake i thought it was that machine that was like mm. going crazy is that because we don't know what the they blame toff for it and she has been slightly erratic but obviously this is not her yeah, it's like not something right. else is going going on that was weird also, right? Because they were like, hey, it feels like an earthquake. And I was like, well, maybe it's an earthquake. And they were all like, no, Toph, what are you doing? I was like, guys, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah. I mean, like, if I was in a room with someone who had the power to, like, telekinetically shake the earth, I, I mean, and I, and Occam's razor would suggest to me that maybe they were doing it. But at the same time, I would, like, probably believe them if it wasn't, if they were like, it wasn't me. <laughs> Clearly, they need to research geology. They need to have the theory of plate tectonics. Do I feel like plate tectonics, but I also feel like, is this going to be... Obviously, this is going to come to some sort of compromise at the end. Like, the same compromise that comes up whenever Aang goes on his bender about, all oh, my culture is dead. I feel like they're going to... We need to respect the Earth, but we have to progress forward. And there's probably some ancient evil buried under the factory that Yang Chen can't tell him about because industry is tuning her out and only allowing her to speak in asterisks. It keeps looking to me like she's hiccuping. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she's that drunk too. or something. And it... Well, at the end of the comic, too, it says, it says, is this just capital greed or is there something underneath? So there's, there's something underneath. There's a dark spirit mention. The, giant well, like, then the guy is also like, no, it's absolutely not not us with the with the river. You know, because... and Like, that confused me, too, because... I was, it, it seemed pretty clear, and then he was like, no, definitely not, that's totally not us, and we're supposed to believe him, I guess? It's well, a, she says, yeah. like, he's not lying, but he's also, 
like the whole refinery thing is so shady because when he's talking about its origins, he's like, my uncle wasn't able to build here because of political reasons. And then just brushes right over that. I was like, oh, you mean colonialism? I mean, (laughs) yeah, I can see how that might have been a problem. But I mean, it's a good, in some ways, it's a good thing. It's it's definitely go. It's working on the model that Aang proposed in the first place, which is all these people coming together to make something new. But yeah, I, I, the, you would think that they would be the ones polluting the river. I don't understand that. Well, it could be. He could just be misinformed, and he believes that to be true. Yeah. The I, first... did, I, did, I did like that idea that um, it's kind of like... Aang is so against this, and then it's like, hey, Aang, this is the exact same principle that we just finished, that you just finished talking about. So I thought that was a, a nice juxtaposition. Hmm. We see them set up the first council at the beginning, hmm. which is just Fire Nation and Earth Nation. Is that the mother of the that girl on the council? Mm-hmm. I think so. Corey's mom. Cool. I don't even remember okay. who Corey is. <laughs> Corey is that girl who like tried to assassinate Zuko back in. Oh yeah. How quickly the promise is forgotten. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I, I, I sympathize way more with Toph in this conflict than I do with Aang, because she's right when he's fretting. Okay, granted, Aang's premonitions are almost to a T on, like, right. Hmm. But she's right when she's like, oh, this is something, uh, something else so important that the previous avatars can't give you the details. And I was like, that's a legit complaint. (laughs) Like, every time you have these vague premonitions, we can't drop everything just because you suck at reading them, Aang. But the thing is, they kind of apologize to each other, even within the first uh, edition here, first part one. So do you think they're going to, again, have trouble again in part two? I guess so, because she doesn't really... Maybe not as rude as they were in this first issue, but she never explains herself for why she is so disrespectful towards him increasingly through the day. And I think now that her dad is there, it is going to get tense, which I like. I like that reveal at the end. Oh, yeah, I gasped. I was like, hmm. yeah, didn't see that well, one. Like, well, you kind of forget that she hasn't been home. I had assumed, like, you know, she had swung by there at some point. Hmm. Here's the thing. like, they, they must have heard about what she's been up to, so they know that she's not dead. Because, I mean, even in the Fire Nation, they had a play about her. So they must have at least heard about what's going on, but they haven't seen each other since then. Yeah. Yeah, although maybe her her uh, legend has been similarly distorted as it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, good, though. I want to see this. I want to see what happens from out of this uh, this meeting. He can't yeah. do... I mean, he, he there's no way he can do what he did last time, which is try to lock her up again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like either he's going to be weirdly angry that she disappeared or really contrite i think uh my prediction is either either, yeah, either she's going to be really angry at him or she's going to just like make up with him and take his side and then that's gonna be part of the rift like she'll be supporting him but i, I can't tell which one like, she got so many unresolved issues she's probably not going to forgive him easily but she has that great line uh, not everybody's past is like yours ang some of us have to run away just to live mm. which i thought was yeah really perceptive and, and personal and true and something that I think Aang doesn't always understand because his past is so important to him and it's lost. Even though, ironically, Aang running away, well, I guess from his future, but even <laughs> in the beginning of Avatar, he was kind of running away from his past mm. um, was sort of how he how he started. And now he's kind of become like, I guess, I mean, in a way, we're sort of seeing him become that like, that sort of figure that that he was sort of 
suggested to be in Korra a little bit, like, like extremely focused on the preservation of the past and like the perpetration of, like you know now he's he's like totally on board with the air acolytes, um, you know, and and he's like all about redoing this, even though it's like such a pale shadow what these rituals and this lifestyle used to be. Um, but yeah, so I wonder kind of why this is such a focus because Aang kind of keeps going this way. Yeah, and it's also, this is exactly the plot of, um, was it the Northern Air Temple in the very first season? Yeah. Where he come, comes across the temple where everyone's industrialized, all the sacred artifacts and stuff, and it's like, you've been through this before. Not that he should be any less angry about it, but it feels like, is this going to be the exact same resolution as that episode had, which is he resigns himself to, some things are lost, some things can be preserved, but gotta keep moving forward. Or maybe he'll just dig his heels in and be like, no, I have to focus, like you said, Michal, on what I have to keep, what I can keep with these three goobers who are following me around. I like them. (laughs) That's actually a good point in comparing to that previous episode, but I mean, this time he actually has visions coming to him. Yeah, well, I'm kind of having the, uh, like, I think it's, I don't remember which episode it was, but, like, they had the episode where, you know, that was, I guess, kind of taken off of the, the one in the first season where like the angry bear spirit was taught hey bye was talking about like oh no it was all sections of the forest and then they had another episode that was let ang was like okay let's just oh it was the the puppet master let's go find what spirit it is you know who's who these people angered and we'll make make it all better and that'll be the end um and i i keep kind of waiting for that to happen it's like okay which which spirit on the list did you guys piss off <laughs> But I guess if it's Yang Chen, then that's... I don't know. I guess I guess it has something to do with the statue lady that I just remembered. Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of... It's a little frustrating. I am increasingly always frustrated with Monk Gyatso for, <laughs> <laughs> for not doing his job with Aang. He's like, let's go fly a kite. You can listen to this story later. And, you know, that... That didn't pay off. Not that he so could have foreseen. that asshole monk who's like, I have to t- test you on high-level techniques. <laughs> exactly. I would have destroyed that kid. I would have been his AP teacher who was like, you yeah. need to study hard right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it is, it, that, is a, that is probably the most convenient part of the comic is like, I didn't hear the story because I, Monk Gyatso, took me away to fly kites every year. <laughs> Oh, was this when they were like, I don't remember why we have to bow to the statue. We yeah. Just, yeah, no. I, was, I, I like that part. I like that Toph was, like, I mean, like, she's coming from it from a place of, like, knee-jerking of, like, this is what parents are tell- used to tell me to do, so I hate that. But also, like, I do share the sentiment of her that, that, that she, I think she's working towards that we have to, like, question why we keep traditions. Sure. I mean, or just, like, know why, know the purpose behind them at the very least. Yeah, well, the the interesting thing that I thought um, was in that conversation was that she was like, well, maybe the statue is of, like, the bad guy. <gasps> and it was like, maybe she the bad guy. And, you know, just that kind of critical thinking that, like, Aang is not, not really known for anyway, but definitely not going to apply to this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. He's also in a very sad, unique position of being literally the last person of his culture. And so there's yeah. not, like... No, I kind of, like, get why Aang would do it. I'm just, like, I do, like, I do, like, identify with that sort of line of thinking that talks. Questioning authority. Questioning authority. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I was much more on her side, but then she just started getting rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way to show him up in front of his fan club. Yeah. Also, okay, Sokka, like, I don't get, like, how he's being written. Like, I know that Sokka loves meat is a joke, but, like, <laughs> he's like, ang, ang, eat meat. I really want a vegetarian to eat meat. Like, that's just a level of douchebag. Yeah. yeah. Sokka shouldn't have in That's season opinion. one Sokka. Like, yeah. By now, yeah. he wouldn't do that. Like, right. Like, I, okay, I get you. you're hungry. That's cool. But, like, yeah, leave Aang out of it. Yeah. I guess there's just nothing for him to do until, you know, Sokka alone, the follow-up content. <laughs> yeah. Well, is Sokka still in a relationship now, or is he single? Oh, yeah, we don't have Suki around anymore. I, I mean, like, Zuko? He's not we dating t- Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Oh, it's, like, almost as good as, so- as Zuko and Jet. Almost. Um... <laughs> yeah, I guess Suki just went back to being a bodyguard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, but at the same time, it seems like not being joined at the hip works for Sokka and Suki. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I, if we just take everything at the end of season three, I could easily see them just like n- drifting apart just because they're just being like, okay, that was fun. Then they go back to, then they just go to other things. Yeah. Yeah, but something that's interesting is that like between like these three comics and the uh, what was it called? The one where May went on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, they there's like sort of, we're starting to sort of see the beginnings of like continuing plot lines. So like you have this thread of like Zuko and Suki having this weird little like spark thing, and then you have May, who's clearly we know is still thinking about Zuko, and then you know we have Sokka in this comic who's like not thinking about Suki. So it's like. And now Zuko and Suki are presumably back in each other's proximity. So it's kind of like I, I'm starting to wonder about the things that are happening off screen, which is interesting because I didn't think that I would that there would really be an off screen um, in this comic world. Yeah, I'd forgotten that May is still in bossing. So yeah, she left him. He left. Him, uh, I mean, like she loves Zuko him, was being annoying and stupid, and he was I, almost assassinated. I mean, like <laughs> time with Zuko's stupid drama. What? <laughs> Someone tried to kill him. There's four like times. like I wouldn't call that stupid drama, but him like I he wouldn't like talk to her and just like I'm not. I mean, I sympathize with May because just like I'm not going to like. No, I, I I support her decision to leave because she he was talking to his crazy dad behind her yeah. back. I just I yeah. feel like maybe not that anyone should ever be forced to stay in a relationship with someone who is unstable, but I, I kind of feel for Zuko because the man was like paranoid and losing it, and like people have been trying to kill him in his sleep, and then she's like, "I'm leaving you." And just kick him in the face on his way up, on her way up. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just remembered this. Um, the um, this year's free comic book day is also going to be written by Jean Yang. Um, that's what the main comic was last year, and it's going to be about um, Suki and the uh, the warriors. Oh, cool! With Sokka involved somehow. Huh. When is oh, that released? Um, May something. I forget what day free comic book day is, but sometime early in May, I believe. Very cool. You get the breakup. A <laughs> <laughs> thought I did have while reading this comic when um, Aang is, you know, trying to disarm the uh, 
the guards that come running at him is that Korra would just destroy all of these people. Like, if their roles were, like, switched, she would crash through the fence and just kick everyone's asses and then be like, let's take apart this factory. Whereas Aang is like, no, the situation will resolve itself. (laughs) Then everyone has a concussion afterwards. Yeah, in a way, I almost prefer Korra because Aang is, like, a little bit passive-aggressive about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the way of the monks. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he has an insult like that, too. Passive aggressive. Yeah, that was a good line. Like, he, uh, you don't uh, pay attention when people are being dunderheads and stuff like that. <laughs> it's interesting, those guards, though. They are definitely wearing the Republic City metal bender armor. Mm. So it might be that Satoru and Toph, they come to a joint ventureship in the future where they armor their metal vendors with that stuff. It's kind of cool that like these little details are seeping into... Like, they're not telegraphed that much to tell us where they're coming from, but you can see into the future and say, okay, well, this is where this evolved from. Yeah, and I also, I like the idea that, nope, this wasn't an idea. I was just going to say that I liked his character design. That was all I meant to say. Mm. Like, with the red accents and, like, kind of steampunk, but also Earth Kingdom, that was cool. Well, we also have the Rough Riders in this comic. Now, is, is the Archer with them, or is he not there? to see here. He probably committed like Harikari or something because he was by his imprisonment. He's gone to finally complete his mission. <laughs> now that she's been found. He's going to fulfill his destiny. Gonna, oh my god, he's going to bring bring him Aikim's head or something. And then, oh dear. Take it to the jail cell. I feel like I would like the comic 200% more if that actually happened. Hand fiction. I keep forgetting, like, these dudes are the ones who murdered Jet's family, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were the Rough Riders the ones that did that? Yeah. Really? He has a flashback about his village burning. Well, so they, they are... they've served their time, right? No, I don't think they have, actually. <laughs> they're basically like a... No, but they're in the service of the Fire Lord, and they're mm. like... They're the bloody mummers of this universe. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. This guy's Gregor Clegane. Uh, no, Vargo Hote. Right. But that's all. That's actually- I mean, no, they're not mercenaries. They're just like an elite force. They said they were hired muscle. Oh, really? Well, now they are. Were they hired muscle back then? Yeah. No, they were just a gang back then. Well, I mean, that's why the archer went with them because he couldn't formally stay with the uh, fire forces. It makes sense if they're at least semi-independent. Yeah, weren't they like unofficial army or like they were working for the Fire Nation? But no, they, they, were- they were cavalry. But then I guess after the Hundred Year War, they became. Mm-hmm freelancers, but they were Fire Nation Komodo Rhino Cavalry. Huh. I love that. That just happened. Especially because um, once Iroh became a traitor, he was like, oh, I haven't seen you guys in a while. But then they're like, "Uh, you lost some steps. But they like, um, you know, their leader was their leader was a colonel in the Fire Nation military. I'm seeing Gregor Clegane more than Vargo Hote because I feel like they do have that sort of official... Stamp. Yeah. They're also kind of just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I well, that begs the question, I guess. Like, are they war criminals? Should they're like, yeah. should I be focusing on punishing these guys instead of kicking Fire Nation people out of their houses? Like, is that? <laughs> these are the hard hitting. Well, I'm questions. sure you can make a case for it. Yeah. 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 I don't think he know. Like the most he could. The only time he ever saw them was Avatar Day, right? Yeah. Right, but if there will be war criminals, I mean, if they are if they are war criminals, then there should be evidence of it. Like people should know. 
And if, I mean, if Jed's family was, like, slaughtered by these guys, then... Well, Jed died, so that was the evidence died with him. Oh. Yeah. We need more of the freedom fighters here. But, I mean, I'm sure Zuko would probably have access to, like, deployment records and stuff, but, like... So they, they made a record they of where they were killed? Not where they were killed, but where they deployed, and then, like, they, they certainly have a reputation. Mm. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if Tywin left a, a record... He's just like, go send Gregor. Totally But the- Zuko was able to track down the sea ravens that killed Katara's yeah. mother, like, 15 huh. years after the fact. Yeah. Well, no, it's more like because he knew the flag. Because Sokka, rec- Sokka knew the... recognized the flags. So or Sokka, no, Sokka knew what design was on the flags. So then Zuko knew what fleet it was so he could get more information because... Yeah, I mean, the Fire Nation military seems very, like... Bureaucratic. Bureaucratic. Well, I like this. Or it has, uh, it's bureaucratic. This description of them in the in the Wikipedia or the wiki for it, the trivia is like, although a supposedly fearsome and successful organization, they were fairly unsuccessful during their appearances in the series. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, they were pretty successful killing just family. The barbershop quartet. Hmm. They were I goons. Remember some group of like thugs are great singers. I forget if that was the rough rhinos or not. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe they, something will happen to them in this this one. Maybe they'll get eaten by that monster or something. Yeah. Fall in the rift. So, uh, oh. that monster, is, is that a crystal on its head? What is that? No idea. And I gotta go. Okay. See ya. Bye, Stephanie. Bye, Bye Stephanie. Steph. It was fun. <laughs> you too. Anyways, is that a crystal on its head? It looks like just a, a rock monster. Rock biter. Yeah, but there's something on his head. I, I just a picture. I was not terribly interested in the creature design. Hmm. But do you think it's past or future? Uh, maybe both. Maybe, like, mm. Yang Chen put it in a mountain prison and now it's waking up. I feel like this is a, a plot that's been done a lot as, yeah. in just, like, technology comes along and wakens the slumbering creature. Yeah, I kind of wondered if it was, um, like, a, a representative of a machine kind of exploding or something. But that's kind of already happened, I guess. Anyway, that's... I'm out of notes. Okay, I think we're... Pretty much done. I'm just I'm looking at the last page. I think there was a preview comic slide or something, isn't there? Is there I didn't see one. Where is this? Oh, July. I know, these things come out so... Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, in the, the cover of the next one is here. It's this. Yeah, they, it takes a while, but you kind of forget about them. That's nice, and you're like, oh, wow, this one's already out. So that's basically yeah. what we'll do. In July, we'll be like, oh, Game of Thrones is winding down. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some Cora news from Comic Con. Hmm. Hopefully, I'm starting to think Nickelodeon is seriously just like, oh yeah, I could just air like whenever. <laughs> he didn't say anything about it at the upfronts. It wasn't even in the press releases and like returning shows. Do we do we know if they've done anything for the next season? Yeah, oh yeah, least. they're they're done with everything. Oh really? Like they've done all of the main like the actual. They're just doing like digital work on it. I think so. I think the what uh, on Brian's Tumblr was that like they were basically wrapping up production on uh, book four, and that was a few months ago. So I mean, it's in the can, basically. I mean, obviously they're still working, but that would be <laughs> don't even suggest that they would never they would never just throw those two scenes in the way. They can't do that. I doubt that, but but it is a little. It doesn't it doesn't speak well for it coming out soon. I guess mm. because you know. I mean, again, like why not just say like oh yeah hey it's in like it's gonna be coming out which is what they did last year just like in the press release i don't know <laughs> when did season two start september was it or i can't remember yeah so hopefully september again yeah 
Um, did you guys see the cover for part three? I just uh, is yeah, that the one where they're in the tunnel, or is that? Uh... No, this is um, more about the the creature. Is it kind of reminds me of uh, Sparky Sparky Boo Man? Actually, <laughs> I don't remember what his name was. What was it? <laughs> Rock Samurai. Oh yeah, he had another name, didn't he? Yeah, he did. The eye guy from part three. Let's see, Boom Man. Combustion Man. Oh, there you go. Right. No, I just see the, them in a tunnel. Where's Boom Man? Here, it's in the link that I have. The um, part three. Oh, part link. three. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's see. Oh yeah, there we go. There's, he's got something in his head. Yeah, it looks like that eye that that guy had. So it has to be. This is, this is the future. The guy's gonna get out in part two. He's gonna escape, and then he's gonna, they're gonna fight with him. It's so weird. He has like a barrel on his chest. This is Gregor Clegane. Here we go. <laughs> I'm Gregor. I'm Combustion Man. Let's see. I'm looking at Combustion Man's head. Yeah, it's uh, similar. Same. Do you find like so you 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 like the political stuff and personal relationships more than the, just some random spirit kind of storyline? Oh yeah. Me? Oh. Yeah. Either one of you. Yeah. Um, I prefer. I'd like a good mix of the two. Like I thought that the search was um a pretty good balance. Actually, a really good balance. Um, but yeah, I like when the interpersonal conflict is within the gang itself. Because other words, it feels a little tacked on or missed opportunity for good conflict. But I'm not unopposed to spirit madness. Unless I still... the painted lady. <sighs> yeah, I. to be fair, in that episode's partial defense, I've not revisited it in the better part of a decade. <laughs> It's kind of funny that, that how like the spirit world was closed off, and yet there's like tons of spirits everywhere, including this one. Like they they like all got left behind or something, or yeah. they got through. I kind of thought that like spirits could come through, but it was sort of just like you know like at a solstice or like mm. at a place where they're really strong or something. You know, now in Korra season three, they're like gonna be everywhere. Thanks, Cora. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that could go wrong. No. That's why I said, like, I think I said in our episode on that, like, shouldn't she have just asked, like, like, let's have a vote? Yeah. It's, it's like I said it before, but, like, it just, the way that people react to spirits in Korra season two is always a little strange to me, just because season one had nothing, it's like, grandly spiritual, and then the very first scene in season two is a giant purple squid, and everyone seems kind of cool with it. Like, yeah, this is just something that happens. <laughs> It was just a weird tonal shift. Yeah. I did I did like the... I guess this reminded me of, of um, you know, the, the different kind of color schemes that happen in Korra, but I like the color scheme for this um, this comic. It's very, like, vibrant and interesting. And it's a nice change from, like, the last one, which was all, like, those, like, Fire Nation pinks and, like, dark red. Oh, I like, I like that. No, 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 I, I do like it, and it works really well for that, but I was kind of reading this going, like, oh, this is actually, like, a nice change of pace. And the... The promise was very, very kind of yellow. And brown. That's yeah. what I remember. Brown and green. So, I guess in summation, do you, do you approve of this uh, Saturu guy for top so far, or no? As her, as her suitor? Yeah. Uh, sure, I mean, they have a common interest, which is always fun. People who can talk passionately about a subject, that's always good chemistry. So, sure. But do, do, do you think that he actually has that kind of feelings, or he's just interested in her, like, professionally? professionally yeah. i don't i think he might be a little too old it's just her. that kind of that it's but it's like the common kind of crush thing the one-sided crush one younger against toward yeah and I, like like you said Mihal, i don't even think like toff is 
Yeah, she's like, not like she's, she's not, not affected in the bad way. They're pretending she is, or like they want to think she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I I agree. Um, I, for some reason, I keep thinking that. Well, the second he stepped on screen, so to speak, I was like, oh, I ship it. I definitely ship it. Um, and now I'm starting to think that he's gonna do like an you know a frozen esque. Oh, top! If only there was someone out there who loved you. <laughs> I could have never taken over this company on my own with your help. <laughs> right. And then her father's there too. So that makes it interesting. Yeah, I do. I think that's a good point. I mean, like I hadn't thought about what exactly her father is going to do. It's like you're uh, having a partnership with my daughter. What are you? <laughs> right. Well, like he can't. He can't pack her off to. No, um, they got the avatar. I mean, no one can control her, let alone like the, the rest of the group. Group there. So. It'll be interesting. Hmm. You know when Toph gets kidnapped uh, in season three and she got that letter? Was that from her mom or from her dad or both? Wasn't that fake? I know it was fake, but, it, but who did she think it was from? Like, who did the list? I thought it was jointly her parents. It was jointly. Okay, I was just wondering if she if she had, like, a slightly better relationship with her mom than her dad. I think it might have been her mom, because I, I remember her saying, like, oh, my mother's in Ba Sing Se, like, I, I can't wait to go see her. Yeah, because that would be, and it was fake, but I mean, like, she was more likely to believe it because maybe she had a slightly better relationship with her mother. <laughs> But her Even mom just didn't have power. It was like the patriarchy of the Earth Nation. They did portray her like that in the show, I think. She was very kind of just like going along with what her husband said. But I love Toph's dresses. They're so nice. Mm. <laughs> it, I feel really bad about this because like I know like she's comfortable in her regular normal outfit. But I'm like, you look so good in those dresses, though. Alas. <laughs> Maybe that's, that'll be solved by the end. She'll get some dresses by the end of the comic. <laughs> Well, I don't want her to have to wear dresses if she doesn't want no, to. No, but she, like, decides to. Like, she decides, yeah. like, out of her own will. She's like, I'm going to wear this. Like, make my own dresses. Right. <laughs> Come up with new dresses. Well, you know, metal. the fire, the um, metal bending police do kind of have the, that, that skirt thing going on, so. <laughs> sure. It is. That's a skirt. <laughs> That's the deflect the arrows. Right. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening to us. We'll be back to cover part two and part three. Check us out at bastardsofkingsgrave.wordpress.com or at Podcast on Ice and Fire here into Ice and Fire. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. fun to chat about these things right after they come out right yeah yeah and they're not they don't take that long to discuss which is no, nice which is good, yeah. well that's also what's nice it's nice to have like i mean on, on the one hand like i love the content and the the, the depth of the, the search but it's kind of nice to just, like have a story set in avatar world that you don't have to like bash your brain out over you know mm. <laughs> who is the wolf I just like, yeah, we're getting this world building and especially of Aang's time because I would have watched more like OVA or whatever, so I'll at least get it in comic form. Right. Good. Well, I'll be in touch. Awesome. Good.
All right. right. Enjoy dinner. Cheers. Have a good night, you guys. Bye. power into this then if we if you're only here for 20 minutes and we want to get started anyways but uh right. so michal you have your recorder as well yeah. then it should be going yeah all right does anyone want to uh after i do the very basic intro anyone want to like just go ahead and run this sure we'll run and like i said i'll took i took notes so I have a few. Okay. i'll have a few opinions all right here we go